G Money Wu Stein. <sighs> I think Wu Stein's gonna come in. He might be on assignment right now. So we're gonna do our favorite and uh, play one episode of Speed Gibson and be right back because you're also atomic. Uh, Of the 
plane of the secret police nears Black Pass, where the octopus is supposedly awaiting them, Clint orders Barney to turn off his course and head for Nagchuka, main gateway to the Tibetan capital, Lhasa. He plans to leave Dr. Kingsley and little Jean there for safety's sake, not knowing that the octopus and Quan Wu have also flown there. As the boys fly over Nagchuka, however, they see a plane below which they recognize as belonging to their enemy, the octopus, and Barney hastens to land beside it. Now be careful, Barney. You're going to land at too fast a speed. You'll crack us up. No, I won't, Clint. Just hold on a minute and I'll have you down and we'll have the octopus. I sure hope you know what you're doing, Barney. Look, people are running out from that building and looking at us. Well, I don't wonder. They probably think a lunatic is flying this plane. Hold tight. I'm setting her down. There, we're down. Didn't I tell you I'd do it? Yes, we needn't have bounced just like a rubber ball. Pull up right beside that octopus plane, then cut your motors. Speed and I'll go back and get the others ready to climb out. Okay. Better keep your guns handy in case the octopus saw us coming. Gee, Clint, you really think we've got him cornered at last? Well, I don't know, Speed. You know how he is. Furthermore, the octopus may not be flying this plane himself. Perhaps it's just one of his band. Maybe. We'll soon find out. Hey, that really was a landing, fellas. What happened? Did Barney hit a bump? No, no, Bob. But we spotted an octopus plane. And we're taxiing up to it right now. An octopus plane? Oh, dear. I hope he isn't here. Golly, Jean. You ought to hope he is. He couldn't do anybody any harm here in Nogtuka. They're awful strict here and watch everyone. You have to know all about him before they let him go on through into Lhasa. All right. Everybody out now. But Dr. Kingsley, you and Jean stay in back of us. Can't tell what might be awaiting us. Well, whatever you say, Clint. I'll go first. You follow me, Bob, and keep your eyes and ears open. You bet. Here we go. Oh, here comes someone to meet us. Looks like some sort of an official. Well, we can save time, I guess, by asking him what he knows about this plane. Who are those fellows with him? Look like policemen. Now, uh, you take care of Gene the doctor, Speed, and let us do the talking. Oh, okay. Say, this fellow doesn't look any too friendly, Clint. Uh, don't worry about that, Bob. They're very careful here. Besides, he doesn't know who we are. Which of you is Clint Barlow? Well, well, I am, but how did you know? This is your plane? Well, it's the property of the International Secret Police. We came here. Is this all of your party? No, my aide, Barney Dunlap, is still inside the plane. Not anymore, pal. Who's this guy, the mayor? My name is Moo. Moo? <laughs> you find it funny? Very funny, pal. It sounds like a cow. You know, Moo, Moo. Oh, here, here, now take it easy, Barney. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he knows I'm only kidding. Have you told him about the octopus? Well, I was just about Enough to. Enough of this talk. Clint Barlow, you and your party are under arrest. You, what? Uh, uh, what? What do you mean? Why, uh, there must be some mistake, why? Mr. Moo. Why? We're the secret police. Yeah, and we came here to arrest somebody, not to be arrested. Nevertheless, you are under arrest. Any pleas of innocence you wish to make must be made at headquarters. Come with me. I can imagine how Clint Barlow feels at this moment, Kwan Wu. Careful, Master. The chief of police is apt to return at any moment. It will take him a little time to see that our uh, friends are safe in their cell. <laughs> Meanwhile, we can talk freely. I shall feel better when we have left Nagzuka and are safe in our headquarters at Lhasa. 
Barlow may convince the authorities of the truth, and then we are lost. <laughs> Before he can do that, we shall be in Lhasa, Kwan Wu. Do not forget that the Tibetan government thinks me to be a noted scientist, Paul Munier. I am going to carry on important scientific investigations here in Tibet. And for privacy, I pay the Tibetan government a very large sum of money. But what if Barlow tells them that you are the octopus? I do not doubt that he will, but they will not believe him. For well, you heard me tell the chief of police that instead of Barlow and the others being secret police as they claim, they are instead agents of a rival government which seeks to discover my scientific experiments and carry them back to their own country. Enemy spies will use my inventions to destroy the civilization of the world. Yes, but clever as you are, Master, I am surprised that they believed you. Believed me? Quan Wu, with wars and rumors of wars thundering over the world, governments will believe anything. <laughs> that is why crime thrives on war. The world is playing into my hand, Quan Wu, and someday, someday I will be its absolute master. Yes, of course, Master. You look at me strangely. Do you think me insane? No. No, of course not. That is very wise of you, Kwan Wu. And do not forget that you are supposed to be mute. Never utter a word when others than our own men are around to hear. I shall remember. I have found the right place at last to work from, Wu. Little is known about Tibet. Here I can enlarge my organization at will. I could build an empire here with no one to stop me. For always I have the excuse of science. Yes, yes. The world will someday soon hear a great deal about the octopus. But what about the secret police? They will get word to the Hong Kong base and thus establish their identities and their innocence. Enough so to allow them to leave Tibet, Wu. But they can never enter Lhasa. I have told my story too well. We are protected by Tibet. <laughs> Would you mind stopping that eternal whistling of yours? Things are bad enough in this jail without listening to that. I'm trying to be cheerful, Clint. This cell they stuck us in ain't no pleasure resort, so I'm doing my good deed to try and cheer you all uh, up. You do a better deed by shutting up. All right, but you never did appreciate me. If we could only get to see the chief of police, he'd let us out of here right away. We did see him when they threw us in here, Speed. Yeah, but not to talk to. He just looked at well, us. They jailed us without giving us a chance to talk to anyone. We have no ideas of the charges against us, the reason for our arrest. Don't worry about the reason, old pal. It's the octopus. That rat framed us somehow. Well, but how? How can he land here without giving himself away? If I knew all that, I wouldn't be in here. It really isn't so bad, Barney. I think it's kind of fun. We're sure to get out of this all right. And it isn't everybody who can be in a Tibetan jail. Well, that's what makes me angriest of all, to think that they put a little girl like Jean in jail, too. I guess you look like a criminal character, Jean. <laughs> oh, this is terrible. Seems like some horrible dream, Clint. Uh, we're in a bad spot, all right, Doctor. They'll have to let us talk to someone eventually. Then I can cable Hong Kong and prove our identity. They can't keep us in this cell forever. Why can't they? Uh, what? Why can't they? Who's going to know what happened to us? Maybe that's what they do to people when they come to Tibet. Put them in dungeons so they're never heard of again. You said yourself nobody knew much about the place. Oh, for the love of my pipe down. Huh? You heard me. 
Why, Tibet is more civilized in many respects than a lot of other countries. Whatever jam we're in now is bound to be only temporary. So don't talk just to hear yourself talk and frighten Jean. I was only we saying... We heard you the first time. Don't repeat it. There's only a way we could escape from this jail before the octopus has a chance to leave Nobchuka. Yes, and that's what we're probably in here for, Speed. To give him time to take off. Sure it is. He probably spotted our plane long before we saw his and cut our throats so nicely with the officials that we'll be here as long as it suits him. Yes, but if he talked to the Tibetan officials... He couldn't have had his mask on. Say, Dr. Kingsley's right. Yes. The octopus must be traveling under an assumed name here in Tibet. And a very powerful name. He never could have had us thrown in here without a chance of talking for our rights. Say, Clint, if he can talk him into things like that, what's going to stop him from talking him into shooting us? Ah, there you go again. Well, it's possible. Or maybe this is one of them jails where the floor drops away and you fall into a well or the walls close in on oh, you. Oh, yes, or the ceiling studded with long spikes descends on you. Yeah, how did you know? Oh, I used to read the same kind of detective stories <clears throat> when I was six years old. Oh, yeah? Let me tell you, I've learned a lot from them detective stories. Oh, now I know what's wrong with you lately, huh? Well, stop reading them for the good of the International Secret Police. Clint... What'll we do after we do get out of here? Well, it all depends, Speed. I hope that we can get some clue as to the destination of the octopus. But I'm afraid he won't leave a trace. And all the time we thought he was going to be at the Black Pass. Well, we just took a chance on finding him there. After Chang told him over the shortwave radio that we were following him there. Well, personally, I think it's just as well that you didn't follow him to Black Pass, Clint. Those planes of his were all equipped with machine guns, weren't they? Uh, judging by the one we captured from splitters, yes. Well, we would have been fighting against terrible odds. One plane against the fleet of the octopus. We could have done some damage with them bombs, though. But uh, speaking of splinters, I wonder if we'll see him again soon. Well, I hope so, because when we find splinters, I think we'll find Marshall Winfield. Oh, Clint, you really think so? Oh, absolutely, honey. She's somewhere in Tibet. And sooner or later, we'll find her. We will if we ever get out of this joint. Well, you haven't helped matters any, you know, mooing at Mr. Moo. Listen, it wasn't on account of that that they threw us in here. Anyhow, that guy's name was funny. Well, you'll hear a lot more strange names in Tibet, Barney, so you better get used to hearing them with a straight face for all our sake. Hey, is everybody against me? No, Barney. But when you go to a new country, you got to be kind of careful how you act at first. And careful of what you say. Listen to who's talking. Listen, kid, I've laughed my way in and out of dozens of foreign countries. Listen, a plane. The octopus plane, I bet. Quick, let me get to the window. <laughs> Call that crack in the wall a window. Can you see anything yet, Flint? No. Just the sentry walking back and forth. Uh-oh. Yes. Wait, wait a minute. Yes. It is the octopus plane. We've got to get out of here. Hey, hey, now, wait. wait a minute, fellas. Somebody's coming. What is all this noise about? The octopus shall let him fly away. I do not know what you talk about, uh, Mr. Dunlap. But my chief is ready to see you all. Prove your innocence of the charge against you. To him. If you can.
Alrighty. That was fun. That was Speed Gibson. <laughs> that guy is getting real fucking fed up with that dude, though, isn't he? <laughs> hey, Marty. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Funny. Anyway, it's been sort of an exciting moment. Moment. It's been an exciting moment. It's been sort of an interesting morning down here. Uh, uh, yeah, I saw Mike Spiegelman. He was down here. He did an early version of his recording of... Uh, Let's watch a movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Great fucking show. Um, yeah, in fact, uh, it sort of shoots back to how the show started today. I was showing him the uh, the Mother of All Demos uh, presented by Douglas Engelbert in 1968 um, here in San Francisco, which was like the debut of the mouse. Um really like the whole keyboard setup and everything and it was in like the internet and like a whole bunch of amazing things that have revolutionized the way that all of us do a lot of things like communicate and especially this stuff right y'all um and uh so i don't know i want to hear denise denise and uh i don't know why i say it with both words but uh both words it's the same word twice moro um yeah, uh, but pee pee. But anyway, so I just played them. So I was just, I was like, well, fuck it. I'll just lead in with that. Considering I left my, <laughs> this is how weird I was last week. I took my uh, CD home with me with the intro music, and uh, it's still sitting there on my turntable staring at me right next to the door. So I just walked out without it. I grabbed everything else. Dumbo. So a little two for one, kill two birds, one stone. I might just fucking bust around with the opening music or whatever i don't know we'll see that was fun <laughs> for no one but me okay um links 12 16 18 by the way i don't like when people do that i'm trying to stop that self-deprecating horseshit because it's sort of horseshit so working on that oh you know what i gotta do anyway <laughs> Yeah, bring up something and don't say it because, you know, you're on a microphone. That makes sense. I normally have water here and I left it. Or no, I didn't leave it. Uh, I I normally leave one here, but it got drank up or something. So I have to go get another one at some point today. So I'll probably call for a break after I get done with links. But I want to do it before links. So how about this? Not one more Speed Gibson. I'm just going to play a sort of longer song. And uh Yeah. Yeah, then we'll do the links, because who gives a fuck? We got time. So, yeah, let me find some music real quick. Music, music, music. When I was a kid, I grew up. I don't know if they still do this, because I don't have children. But um, we had, like, music class in middle school. And um, for fuck's sake, they made us learn, like, um, all these old, old songs, like... um, Oh goodness! Like I put another, <laughs> put another nickel in in the Nickelodeon. All I want is loving you and music, music, music. <laughs> and uh, uh, let's see. Oh, Count. Well, I'm from Kalamazoo, so that made it easy. <laughs> um, what is that? Uh, I got a gal. No, not that one. I hate that song. 
Well, that's the one. I got a guy that came from Kalamazoo, zoo, 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 zoo. Oof. <laughs> Put another nickel in in the Nickelodeon. All I want to love you. Music, music, music. Closer, my dear, come closer. The, 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 the nicest part of any melody is when you're uh, something close to me. So put another nickel in, in the Nickelodeon. All I want is loving you and music, music, music. <coughs> That's crazy. I fucking still know that. All right. Um, a song. I get with it so funny. I can think of a hundred fucking songs. I can't think of one because like. I'm looking for this one thing that I played the other day, right, on on the other show, because it's sort of long, but it's super fun, and um, <clears throat> I can't remember the name, man, and now I can, I can sort of see it on this one, but I swear all it's going to do is just jump back to, oh, let's see, maybe we'll get lucky. Yeah, there we go. Cool. See, because I was writing electric. It's experimental. <laughs> it's got one of those um, titles that uh, I just love. Yeah, good old fashioned. I haven't heard this in ages, but um, when it popped up on my thing, I was like, yeah, I got to play this. So, um, experimental products glowing in the dark. We'll be back.
trash that's what we used to call that shit back in the day <laughs> fuck that anyway no i like that song it's pretty cool um anyway links 12 16 18 uh thank goodness for corner stores man all right um what happened next december 16th 2018 i'm bringing my little i went fuck it you know what that jerk off owns all the water in California. I'm like, I'm not fucking buying a bottle of water. I've been thinking that's so stupid for a long time. And I'm finally putting my stupid foot down. That's why I brought the dumb water down here. So I could like refill the bottle. But some idiot either threw out the bottle or took the bottle. I'm not an idiot. They just saw probably like a half drunk bottle. And they were like, oh, fuck it. Didn't anybody want to be helpful? The one time somebody tries to be helpful. Anyway. So, I grabbed a can of Coke. Fuck it. <laughs> you know? I like Coca-Cola. You know? Anyway. So, um, links 12, 16, 18. They're both as shitty, but at least these fucks ain't just stealing just straight water. You know? Like, fuck. They're bad, I'm sure. Mm. Oh, man. I was thinking about this last night. This is so weird. Right? I was thinking, so dumb. I was thinking about tonalities and like how people like certain sounds, right? <clears throat> and I was wondering because things happen for a reason, usually, right? <laughs> Action, reaction. Why does the body, after like, especially after like a group of people laugh, but certainly after a person laughs, you sigh. <laughs> What's up with that sigh sound? There must be a tonality to it. There must be something to it. Because why don't we just laugh, 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 stop. Or laugh, 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 you know, <laughs> scream or but whatever the fuck, right? We're, we do it a specific way as human animals just for some particular reason. And I want to do some looking into if there's anything to look into, like the sound of the sigh and why that certain sound, <sighs> why that particular noise is the noise our body makes when we do that. I mean, it could just be as simple as that's just the noise that um, the body makes after, you know, expunging so much like, like, I mean, really hard laughter, you know, that you're just, your body's trying to catch up. So it just makes that sound like, uh but like <laughs> which makes sense but why like anyway i don't know there's probably absolutely nothing to it i just thought it was just a weird thought i was 
bouncing around in my head like what the fuck why does the body why do we make that noise <sighs> it's so weird anyway um what happened next <laughs> does this fall under one of those things where every time a question headline means no let's see <clears throat> What happened next? Was the pink turtle that breathed through its genitals saved from extinction? No. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's probably on hold. Is that from The Guardian? Uh, wiping the slate clean. Is it time to reconsider debt forgiveness? Financial Times. Uh, Jillian Tett reviews Michael Hudson's new book, which is a pretty good book, I hear. Oh! Speaking of things I actually could talk about that I know about, um, I saw the new Spider-Man movie. It's cool. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Uh, like, I always kind of give movie reviewers shit when I read their articles, and then when I go to review a movie, I just say, it's good. <laughs> But it's almost like, well, what is there to say that hasn't been said? You know, if you're interested in the movie, you're probably going to like it <laughs> a lot. Because it's, it's really, it's a, it's just a solidly made film <laughs> by people who know the subject matter well and execute on a really grand and unique scale because of the budget, you know, <laughs> offered to them you know they, they really got to you know show their animator colors and really have fun with a property that is both beloved for what not fit is it 50 years now something like that maybe more maybe not nah, 60 years what is it 1963 something like that yeah but um you know, it's like a beloved property, and <laughs> and for good reason, because it's a universally positive theme. It basically says, we're all different, we're all special, embrace your specialness. You know, or at least, you know what? It's, not, it's almost not live with or acquiesce because the the goal isn't just to like give in to your specialness it's to learn to live with it accept it you know it's about self-acceptance <laughs> that's pretty universal <laughs> you know i'd like to think you know and on top of that is that extra scoop of of uh responsibility all right, well, now that you know what makes you special, what are you going to do with it? I mean, you know, as a life lesson. And uh, one of the, I'll tell you what I think is one of the interesting things that happened in this movie that they don't, that aren't in other reviews of the movie. Um, what I find interesting is how they turn a really sort of boring, you know, bog standard narrative device of the hero who is actually prepared but the outside people um think that he's not on this one the guy 
thinks he's ready, but everybody else outside of him is like, dude, you're not ready for this (laughs) and are prepared to make like really heroic sacrifices on the other end of this. But being that it's his movie, we all know how it turns out. It's called Spider-Man. It's not called Kingpin. <laughs> now, that would be a weirdly bold choice. But, but one... Like, but see, I, I would think... like This is an interesting idea. Okay, like, what's, what about the idea that... Um, okay, like, this would be shocking, you know? Okay, let's do shocking. So let's say Kingpin kills Spider-Man in the movie and Spider-Man doesn't come back. Is that a better fucking like what what how does that how is I mean it's different but it's you know it's just different for different. It doesn't feel different for positive or anything. So okay. So the bad guy wins. So uh the Kingpin gets his family back and like the world's destroyed. okay is that like (laughs) i mean you could end it that way but like what like besides you know being fucking you know fucking 15 years old type shit you know what i mean like 13 fuck it watch the world burn fuck it like what (laughs) you know i don't know because you couldn't do it. Well, I guess you then you could do a sequel where, I mean, because eventually Spider-Man has to win or like he just doesn't. And then that's your just, just weirdly nihilist movie. Then it's just not a Spider-Man movie anymore. Then it's, it's just called a kingpin. <laughs> anyway, um, movie's good. Let's get to the fucking links so we're never going to do these. I'm fucking too Two in Jesus is a long way to go, baby. Okay. Um one MDB dragon closes in on Najib Goldman Sachs. Asia Times. Good. Fuck those people. Um <laughs> a little self-editorializing. <laughs> Sorry. Um Washington government proposes Herculean quote unquote Herculean effort to save seventy-four southern resident orcas. We will see. Eco watch. Um, how McKinsey has helped raise the stature of authoritarian governments. Oh, that's good. Oof. New York Times. Waste watch. Legal plastic content and animal feed could harm human health, expert warned. See? That's why I got a can of Coke. And when I say that, remember that? I did not get a bottle. I got a can, which is probably just as bad. But, man, I probably just should have got a glass bottle. But glass probably got plastic in it, too. You know what somebody told me once about glass? Or about any object. I have no idea if this is fucking true. I really should look this up. Maybe I'll look this up today. That. Like it would take I guess like millions of years. But if you did this. You could like leave a glass. Just sitting in one spot. And you know. Seal it away from everything. And if you came back and like I don't know. Whatever the fucking half life is. Whatever. That the gravity and everything would eventually just push that thing down because it's like porous or something because it's not like a completely solid object that like just time you know would just sort of warp that bottle and everything just just through you know stuff and i always thought that was just a weird mental image this idea of just i guess in my head is like time lapse it's just watching that fucking bottle just 
slowly sort of smush. Anyway, I like that word. <sighs> Waste watch. Egypt tomb, one of a kind discovery revealed. Saqqara. Egypt tomb, Saqqara, one of a kind quote discovery revealed. BBC. Morally unacceptable, quote unquote. Final deal out of COP24. Uh, uh, sorely lacking in urgency and action, climate campaigners say. Common dreams. Oof. Morally unacceptable. I wonder what the fuck. This has got to be awful. Hey, the case of Agatha Christie. London Review of Books. But that's a fun to read. Uh, highway hullable. Hullabaloo. Hullable. Jeez. Uh, Canada will be on the losing end. Quote, unquote. Over highway arrest. Huawei arrest. Uh, professor. C, uh, CTV News, Canada, I was <laughs> our famously free press. Apple News UK editors rely on six outlets for 75% of top stories. Not surprised at all. <laughs> That's from the Columbia Journal- Journalism Review, too, so they're clicking there on it. How I Quit Apple, Microsoft, Google, Facebook, and Amazon, Motherboard. Probably not that hard. <laughs> Uh, where can Apple make its iPhones if not in China? <laughs> International Business Times. <laughs> that story could break a few ways. <laughs> Real grim is one of them. Um, Apple computers used to be built in the U.S. It was a mess. New York Times. <laughs> Thanks, New York Times. How anger in Washington over... Uh, oh God, every fucking week. I think that K... I think it's Hashagi... I think that K is silent, but it might be Kasagi. <laughs> I might be all wrong. Who cares? Murder has led to pro- progress in the Yemen conflict. Independent uh, Patrick Cockburn. Cool dude. Um, class warfare. Los Angeles and Oakland teachers rally amid deadlock contract talks. Capital of Maine. Good on them. Well, I mean, good on them fucking fighting for it. L.A. Sheriff eliminate some deputy. Deputy disciplinary rules and weakens others. <laughs> Great. Uh, the laced. Oof. Brexit. Oof. Brexit. Feeding the beast. EU referendum. Uh, party activists pile pressure on Corbyn to back second vote. Oof. Guardian. Um, what taxes, uh, tactics of Middle East dictators can tell us about Theresa May political situation today? Independent Robert Fisk. Theresa May's team plots new EU referendum. The Times. Good luck. Man, I've been reading up on Brexit like some. And it's there. What it sort of weirdly reminds me of is like, oh, this is like the actual, not the end of, but sort of like a, a real ratcheting down a real uh yeah that's a way of putting it or um uh shrinking of like specifically uh like is it, i want to say well like english like english rule over the world like generally from like a technological standpoint type shit like that you know this little island that had like such an outside outsized grip in influence wise over the rest of the world just just sheerly through a weird you know confluence of timing and technology and shit and you know and sort of running the running the show and how oh boy this really <laughs> i mean 
and it's the way that it's done through you know basically those these same asshole you know just it's almost just like it's the natural um progression of capitalism unchecked right it's like well they have so much money that they influence so much in government therefore you know get along or go along or get the fuck out and and like they they sell all these dumb stories on over the uh you know deny 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 like the water dudes or whatever we're not we're saving the world it's like you assholes anyway i sound like i'm not making any sense because i'm not all right what i well just but what are are you talking about well okay what i've been reading about brexit well i was reading this speech by this feller (laughs) by his name sir ivan even rogers to the University of Liverpool and he's basically sort of breaking down how like <laughs> this was a they it was sold to a lot of people is like you're gonna be sovereign this whole which is really funny that it really falls in line with that like white nationalist shit about sovereign citizenry sovereign citizenship or citizenry and um that that that's a weird parallel but um it's this idea that like we're special so treat us special <laughs> and we what's really funny is like it's from this high-handed like well we make the rules so fuck you type attitude and it's getting turned around and I'm like, <laughs> like they want, they want to be like Switzerland, which is like, all right, we sort of can play by your rules. We're like in, but we're out type shit. <laughs> but these motherfuckers were in and they're like, look, we want out. <laughs> and they were using that as like some sort of like, like a, like a negotiation tool. Like, Hey man, I'll bring it up to a vote to the people. <laughs> and the people were like, you know what? We've been watching you basically bow, kowtow to the fucking corporate interests. And every time that, like, you shit on something, you blame it on the EU rules, which, by the way, are all these things. <laughs> hey, so you figure, right, once you get out of these shitty EU, what's it called? WTO rules, World Trade, right? Which is like this binding shit that all these other people in these other smaller nations, you know, they decide to make like a United States of Europe type shit, right? And sort of get along and go along type shit, right? At least economically. And so they made all these fucking terms and these easy ways. All right, well, you can trade with us and no fucking problem and all this shit. And plain civilization weirdly sort of like keyed me in on yeah it's kind of important when you're like no fuck you man you can't have my blank (laughs) i only got so much blank and like my people need this much shit and you you know the idea of managing all these things and um you know in the in the like the macro version like yeah and and really how it's kind of creepy especially when you're playing you know because it's all artificial but it always creeped me out too. Like when I would play just a uh, standard table version of war game shit. Oh God. It's like, yeah, well just 
fuck these. It just keeps sending these dudes in. Like, <laughs> I'm not stopping until this motherfucker gives this thing up. So, like, <laughs> these are people, man, right? <laughs> you know. Ah, uh, it's funny in a video game. It ain't funny when it's like, oh, God. But, but just to easily have that view of, like, you know, it it really you know it always released for me draws on that that quote about you know the one million to one type one person you know makes like you know makes a thing a thing and like a million people just you know it's forest for the tree shit yeah no it's not <laughs> not forest for the tree shit at all well sort of is right you're looking at one but you can't take a look at the whole fucking thing but that's that's not what I was talking about anyway I really sound stupid today. <sighs> It's the truest thing you've said all day. All right. But yeah, that Brexit shit. Because they're going to be really cute. They changed the... They called it like... Like third country. But it used to be called like third world country. They took like... They took the world out that motherfucker. <laughs> it's on third country status. Oof. And like all these motherfucking, all those people that had convinced, they'd been convincing them because they just was shit talking. So the guy goes, this is what I was trying to get to. So the guy's like, hey, man, I'm taking to the people. And the people fed so much horse shit. They were like, yeah, yeah, we can fucking do this. They have no idea that they have to like change their entire fucking monetary system, like back to the pound. Like there is so, and they're going to be negotiating from a much less like tenable position because they used to. That's the thing they used to have like the British mythos and quote unquote like yeah. And part of that myth is like our society is better. We're in high hand your ass, and you had the power of the fucking twenty seven nations to like you know be like all right. Even if they didn't agree, you could still sort of pull this bullshit moral superiority they couldn't even do that on this like because the the way that their government (laughs) quote that's the realest quote unquote has been handling this shit is or not handling any of it is crazed and the guy's like you could have talked about this 12 16 18 24 months ago (laughs) and oh, oh and what's weird is um me and this dude did not align on everything by a by a shot but like he certainly he's a sober-minded individual <laughs> it was like we're this is bad <laughs> and uh oof. and he's like, these fucking tory politicians telling these people yeah we'll just get it done so easy <laughs> Just do it. It's like we get it done like by the end of the working day, man. <laughs> it's like, man, and nobody. It's like the weird part is like they told them like, "Fuck yeah, this is right." And now all these people are like either a denying they ever said it, which is crazy because it's all like on the record, or b they're like turning around me like, "Well, that's crazy," <laughs> which is like, "Well, what the fuck? Well, why did you say do it?" You know, it's bun. It's it's a shit show for sure over there, man. It's fucked. Anyway, all right. India, India's gig economy apps. I think I made no sense at all. So let's just move on. Let's push forward. Uh, India's gig economy. Ugh. Apps are fighting the monsters they made. Well, good for them. Quartz. 
Uh, climate change is paving the way for shockproof seeds. <laughs> Yay. Uh, geoengineering. Oh, that's from the Economic Times. There's no the in it. It's just Economic Times. Geoengineering. Should India treat tread carefully or go full steam ahead? The wire. Whatever could go wrong. Laid bare. The limitations of identity politics. <laughs> no shit. The Telegraph. Yeah, I bet you could probably put that shit under Brexit. Um, Brick Brother is watching you watch. China is now the greatest threat to America's privacy. Bloomberg. You know what I need to do? I need to do more writing so I can put these thoughts more specifically into line. So when I speak, it makes more sense because I think I used to. When I used to write more and I'm writing less. Okay, there you go. Move on. China. Question mark. China? <laughs> China's great green, <laughs> great green, there's no great green wall, but there's a green great wall, is on the front line of its fight against de uh, desertification. But is, it, but, is it, but is it sustainable? SCMP. I think this is South China Morning Press. How the fuck did I finally get that? <laughs> I've been reading S SCMP for like how many goddamn weeks now? Oh, that must be what that means. All right, uh, Germany wins access to world's biggest lithium deposit. I should put a fucking, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, exclamation point behind it. <laughs> Germany wins access to world's biggest lithium deposit. <laughs> Handles blatt. Uh, Big Brother is watching you watch. China is now the greatest threat to Americans' privacy. Bloomberg. Not surprising at all. Uh, Google says it won't sell face recognition for now, but it will be hard to slow its use. MIT Technology Review. Well, yeah, because other people will research it and just do it, you dicks. <laughs> now, like, what? what, what you, am I supposed to thank Google for that shit? Thanks, Google. Give a fuck. Fuck them. Uh, the BSS. British Security Service Infiltration, the Integrity Initiative, and the Institute for Statecraft 456. Craig Murray. All right, buddy. Ooh, shit. More yellow vest stuff. Glissons. Uh, it, it's time for the people to take power. Spiked. Taking French lessons. The power of the yellow vest. Truth dig. Yep. Excuse me. Compact news. This is from the Twitter. France, that moment when Macron's policy, or police, jeez, oh, Pete's, police try to pepper spray yellow vest protesters, but the protesters just pepper spray them back. Oh, shit. See, that's a, <laughs> only a country where it's basically all white people can <laughs> get away with some shit like that. Shit, <laughs> man, fuck you, man. Mer, mer. <laughs> oh, God. Healthcare. Federal judge in Texas rules all of Obamacare to be unconstitutional. Probably true. I don't know. Alternate. Uh, Pam Bondi's and Rick Scott's Texasized role in Affordable Care Act fight. Tampa Bay Times. Uh, legal experts to rip judge rationale for declaring Obamacare law invalid. All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> law. <laughs> That's my cousin Gary. I don't know. WAPO. The RevCav. Uh, Democrats in disarray. Does the media have it out for Elizabeth Warren? <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> or you could say, or maybe that's another no one. That's why it's not a hard and fast rule. 
but it's generally fun to <laughs> it's a fun mind game every time for me i don't know um from the ever fun matt taibbi i'll have to read that later uh biden standards lead field in iowa poll of course they do the hill oh this is fucked up johnson and johnson knew for decades that asbestos lurked in its baby powder Ugh. reuters that is fucked up how is that shit so low in the damn news right that's fucked up it's it's like when when you think of baby powder it's what you think of it's like arm and hammer it's like oh yeah I don't know what baking soda is. You know, right? It's like baking powder you know, or whatever. the It's like baby powder. You know what baby powder Oh, yeah. You be, even imitators' bottles are shaped like their bottles because it's like Xerox means like copy. Google means like internet search. <laughs> you know? It's fucking Johnson & Johnson. It's baby powder. You didn't even call it Johnson & Johnson's. Usually you just see the fucking white bottle with the blue writing. Oh, that's baby powder. <laughs> and they fucking knew that asbestos was in some of the sh- all right, well all right <laughs> well we can't get it from anywhere else whatever the fuck i don't even know what a baby powder is made isn't it just talcum powder that's all right whatever let's look into that a little bit more fuck we're running right up on the air <laughs> unregistered foreign agent i was gonna turn that euro trash off at fucking 350 but i was like you know what fuck it let's play the whole damn thing unregistered foreign agent clinton foundation 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 unregistered foreign agent clinton foundation oversight panel here's explosive testimony i'm shocked shocked there's barely a peep about this in the mainstream media hmm trump transition the criminal justice reform bill you never heard of marshall project deportations under trump are on the rise but still lower than obama's ice report shows not surprising at all washington post six-year-old separated from her father tells judge he wants to go home <laughs> no shit ProPublica. um from obama to trump climate negotiations are being run by the same crew of american technocrats no shit uh the intercept uh he would have given a very valuable opinions to get that job politico okay god damn it i think that's a hawk again <laughs> but i'm not sure <laughs> might be an eagle i don't fucking know Ugh. anyway johnson and johnson what's going on with that bullshit that's fucking it's on reuters Woof. <laughs> I love Yeah. It's like they they like when you when you link on it, it's got this animation that's just like dust. <laughs> it looks like like an anti cocaine ad or something where it's just like Johnson and Johnson knew for decades. And it's just a black background and just white just <laughs> it's really weird facing thousands of lawsuits yeah it's talk <laughs> sorry i was just excited to find out i was right it was talk powder talcum or whatever facing thousands of lawsuits alleging that his talk caused cancer johnson and johnson insists on the safety and purity of, of its iconic product but internal documents examined by reuters show that the company's powder was sometimes tainted with carcinogenic asbestos and that johnson and johnson or just keep saying j and j uh kept that information from regulators and the public Ooh. 
Oh, God. See, and here you go, right? Don't talk about the thousands. Darlene Corker knew she was dying. She just wanted to know why. <laughs> she just starts it. And, ah, see, this is what part of this is. She knew that, that, that her cancer, mesothelioma, wow, wow, I wonder, wow. Yeah, her rose in a delicate membrane surrounding her lungs and her other organs. She knew it was rare as it was deadly, a signature of exposure to asbestos. And she knew it, it, it affected men who had spilled asbestos dust in mines and in industries such as shipbuilding that had used the carcinogen before its bits were understood. Yeah. <laughs> Corker, 52 years old, had raised two daughters and was running a massage school in Lumberton, a small uh, town in eastern Texas. So how would she expose asbestos? She wanted answers. Her daughter, Katie Evans, said, yeah, I fucking bet. <laughs> Oof. Fighting for every breath and in crippling pain, she hired Herschel Hobson, a personal injury lawyer. Wow. He homed in on a suspect. He must have been like, she, I wonder what her reaction was when they fucking said it was the uh, baby powder. Like, what the fuck? Because, <laughs> like, right? You hire this personal injury lawyer and Jenny's like, it's in the talcum powder. Yeah, it's all like it's almost like in a movie. You're like, fuck you, man. <laughs> Everybody uses this and nobody's got cancer but me. How give me the next fucking thing? Okay. So he homed in on the suspect. On a suspect, <clears throat> the Johnson baby powder that Coker had used on her infant children and sprinkled on herself. Oh, okay, all her life. Yeah, because people do that all the time. Because it's fucking for babies. They're like, oh, yeah. Smells kind of nice. You know, you put a little here. You know, put a little maybe under your armpits. It's, I don't know what the fuck people use hot fucking baby powder for. Moving on your ass. I don't know. <laughs> uh, okay. Um. Man, that's such a weird sentence to me for them reason. Sprinkled on herself all her life. Just sprinkling baby powder on yourself is so weird. It's all, all your life. It's anyway, um, Hobson knew that talc and asbestos often occurred together in the earth. Oh. See? Wow, well, she found the right personal injury lawyer. <clears throat> and that mined talc could be contaminated with a carcinogen. Corker sued Johnson. Johnson alleging the po- poisonous talc and the company's beloved product was her killer well it might be a silly question but (laughs) if the fucking personal injury lawyer herschel hobson not to be rude but i've never heard of this dude till today right well what 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 the fuck (laughs) if he knows that these two things are mined together nobody in the last what how long has Johnson Johnson been around? Ever? Right? Just looked at him and was like, you know what, man? These two things are mine together. We don't have, what's the yeah, what's the FDA? Okay. <clears throat> Let's see. Of course they denied the claim. It's asbestos free, it said. As the case proceeded, it was able to avoid hand, handing over talc tests and other uh, company records. Hobbs had, uh, had requested to meet the case against the baby powder. He had no choice but to drop her lawsuit. Hobbs said, when you're the plaintiff, you have the burden of proof. We didn't have it. <laughs> okay. Once again, this is the sovereignty people are fucking pining for in England, right? Because that's, that's part of the guy's speech, too. He goes into like, yeah, you know what? Okay. Those things that are very real problems of corporate, like, 
sovereignty basically to run avenues of your government you know to their benefit is a problem you know can but they're gonna have sovereignty also and if you think that relationship is going to change at all you're crazy (laughs) right right (laughs) oof this is a so like I don't know. Not that baby powder should have to be a fucking state-run fucking thing, but they should be able to, like, their inspectors should be able to inspect the shit to know that they could, like, well, what what's going on? How come they don't know, right? Well, let's see. Ooh. That was in 1999. Two decades later, the material her uh, uh, Corcoran lawyers thought is emerging as J&J has been compelled to share thousands of pages of company memos, internal reports, and other confiscated confidential documents with lawyers for some of the 11,700 plaintiffs now claiming that the company's talk caused their cancers and causing thousands of women with ovarian cancer. So Reuters examined a shit ton of these documents. Starts from at least 71 into the early 2000s. The company's raw talc and finished powders sometimes tested positives for small amounts of asbestos and that company executives mine managers scientists doctors and lawyers fretted over the problem and how to address it while failing to disclose it to regulators or the public documents also depict successful efforts to influence u.s regulators plans to limit asbestos and cosmetic talc powders and scientific research on the health effects of talc a small portion of the documents have been produced to trial and cited in media reports. Many were shielded from public view by court orders that allowed Johnson Johnson to turn over thousands of documents it des- designated as confidential. Much of the contents is reported here for the first time. The earliest mentions of the tainted Johnson J and J—they got cigarette Johnson Johnson, huh? Real quick, they they did that. <laughs> they made sure to start the precedent of that shit in the very first sentence, basically, or the second sentence. No, third sentence, second paragraph. The first paragraph is just, she was dying. She wanted to know why, basically. Um, the earliest mentions of the tainted J&J talc that Reuters found come from 1957 and 58 reports by a consulting lab. They can try, oh God, they, can, they describe contaminants and talc from J&J's Italian shipper as fibrous and uh, ACIC, acicular? A-C-I-C-L-U-R, L-U-A-R, lar, kick, a kickular, a secular maybe, maybe it's a secular, or needle-like, tremolite, tremolite, or needle-like tremolite. That's one of the six minerals that's that in their naturally occurring fibrous forms are classified as asbestos. <clears throat> At various times... Uh, from then into the early 2000s, reports from scientists at J&J outside labs and J&J supplier yielded similar findings. The reports uh, identify contaminants in talc and finished powder products as asbestos or describes them in terms typically as pr- applied to asbestos, such as fiber form and rods. In 1976, as the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, the U.S. The, I'm not going to say the U.S. FDA, how about this? The FDA was weighing limits on asbestos and cosmetic talc products. J and J assured the regulator that no asbestos was detected in any quote unquote detected in any sample of talc 
produced between December 72 and October 73. Um, it didn't tell the agency that at least three tests by three different labs from 1972 to 1975 had found asbestos in its talc. In, at, in, in one case, uh, reported level is, quote, rather high, unquote. Most uh, J&J asbestos reports uh, uh, Reuters reviewed do not find asbestos. However, while J&J's testing methods improved over time, they have always had limitations that allowed trace contaminants to go undetected, and only a tiny fraction of the company's talc is tested. And by the way, like, there's a lot of fucking hyperlinks to this shit. Oh, by the way, on that first, um, the Douglas Engelhart or Eggerbart, uh, there's hyperlinks. They show how to do all that shit. It's fucking cool. <clears throat> anyway. The World Health Organization and other authorities recognize no safe level of exposure to asbestos. <laughs> While most people exposed never develop cancer, for some, even small amounts of asbestos are enough to trigger the disease years later. Just how small hasn't been established. Many plaintiffs allege that the amounts they inhaled when they dusted themselves with tainted talcum powder are enough. The evidence of what J&J &J knew has surfaced over, uh, after people who suspected that talc uh, caused their cancers hired lawyers' experience in the decades-long deluge of litigation involving workers exposed to asbestos. <clears throat> Some of the lawyers knew from, early, from those earlier cases that uh, talc producers tested for asbestos, and they began demanding J&J's testing documentation. Oof. What J&J produced in response to those demands has allowed a plaintiff's lawyers to refine their argument. The culprit wasn't necessarily the talc itself, but the asbestos in the talc. That assertion backed by decades of solid science showing that asbestos causes mes mesothemioma <laughs> and is associated with a variant in other cancers has had mixed success in court. Two cases earlier this year, New Jersey and Cali, juries awarded big sums of plaint to plaintiffs who, like Coker, uh claimed asbestos-tainted J&J talc products on their mesothelioma. A third verdict in St. Louis was a watershed, uh, broadening J&J's potential liability. The 22 plaintiffs were the first to succeed with a claim that asbestos-tainted baby powder and shower, shower talc, a longtime brand of the company sold in 2012, caused ovarian cancer, oof, which is much more common than mesothelioma. Oh, shit. The jury awarded them $4.69 billion, with a B, in damages. Oh, shit. 22 plaintiffs? Oh, fuck off. Most of the talc cases have been brought by women with ovarian cancer who say they regularly use J&J talc products as a perennial antiperspirant deodorant. Yeah, I thought I'd put a little in your hand for some reason. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Yeah, no wonder they didn't say shit because they would have been out of business fucking forever ago. Oh, man. Ooh, that's a lot. I always have to remind myself when I see the billion because it's fucking crazy to me, right? Because a million dollars is crazy. If I had a million dollars, fuck off. The idea of like... Oh, all right. A hundred million dollars is bananas. That's like, that's not, it's like otherworldly amount of money. That's, you could do whatever you want forever to the rest of your life type money. 
the idea <laughs> right so like and then you just all right well then you could you got that and then you times that by 10 so now you got one billion dollars crazy that's nation state shit you can be able to like fucking move like, own fucking shit right like a nation all right for them <laughs> in more than half and like damn near three quarters like fuck off all right at the same time at least three juries have rejected claims that baby powder was tainted with asbestos or caused um plaintiff's mesothelioma Others have failed to reach verdicts, resulted in mistrials. And put a lot of them. Ooh, that's what they're gambling on, baby. Mistrial, baby. <laughs> All right. Um, J&J has said it will appeal the recent verdict. I fucking bet it will against it. It has maintained in public statements that its talc is safe, as shown for years by the tests available, and that the information it has been required to divulge in recent litigation shows the care the company takes to ensure its products are asbestos-free. What? okay it has blamed its losses on juror confusion junk quote-unquote junk science unfair court rules and overzealous lawyers looking for a fresh pool of asbestos plaintiffs <laughs> so they're just dying from death just, just no, nothing just the luck of the damn draw wow um plants attorneys uh, attorneys out for per um, plaintiffs, attorneys out for personal financial gain are distorting historical documents and intentionally creating confusion in the courtroom and in the media. Ernie, oof, Newitz, let's 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 pretend that K ain't there. Newitz, uh. J&J's vice president of global media relations wrote in an emailed response to Reuters fightings. Oh, God. Let's hear this fucking form letter. <clears throat> this is all a calculated attempt to distract from the fact that thousands of independent tests prove our talc does not contain asbestos or cause cancer. Any, su any suggestion that Johnson & Johnson knew or hid information about the safety of talc is false. Really? Oh, yeah, but how about this? J&J declined to comment further for this article. <laughs> for more than two months, it turned down repeated requests for an interview with J&J executives. On December 8th, uh, the company offered to make an expert available. It has not done so as of Thursday evening. The company referred all inquiries to its outside litigation counsel. <laughs> Here comes another form letter, right? Peter Br Bix. In emailed responses, Bix rejected Reuters' findings as false and misleading, Oh, these are all quotes. The scientific consensus is that the talc used in talc-based body powders does not cause cancer, regardless of what it is in that talc. What? Of what is in that talc? What? The scientific... Okay, this doesn't make any sense. Regardless... So regardless of what is in that talc... What is in that talc... Talc-based body powders... Body powders... Jesus, body powders does not cause cancer that's a that's a bold statement baby bix wrote uh this is true even if and it does not johnson and johnson's cosmetic talc had ever contained minute even um, minute undetectable amounts of asbestos he dismissed tests cited in the article as outlier results huh? 
In court, J&J's lawyers have told jurors that the company's record showing that asbestos was detected in its talc referred to talc intended for industrial use. <laughs> Other records they have argued referred to non-asbestos forms of the same minerals that their experts say are harmless. That their experts say are harmless. <laughs> oh. J&J has also argued that some tests picked up background, background asbestos. <laughs> Stray fibers that could have contaminated, contaminated samples after floating into a Miller lab from a vehicle clutch or fraying insulation. Oh, that's weird, man. The company has made some of the same arguments about lab tests conducted by experts hired by plaintiffs. Oh, that they had some outside dust. <laughs> One of those labs found asbestos in shower and shower talc from the 1990s, according to a, a August 11th, 2017 court report. Another lab found asbestos in more than half of multiple samples of baby powder from past decades, in bottles from plaintiff's cupboards and acquired from eBay, and even in a 1978 bottle held in J&J's corporate museum. Um, the concentrations were great enough that users, quote, would have more likely than not been exposed. Oh, thanks, man. Um, the plaintiff's lab report presented in several cases this year concluded... Michael San Matthew Sanchez, a geologist with consultants R.J. Lee Group Inc., and a frequent expert witness for J.J., dismissed those findings in a testimony in the St. Louis trial. I have not found asbestos in any of the current or modern, what I consider modern Johnson and Johnson talk products. Sanchez told the jury. <laughs> Sanchez did not uh Sanchez, I can fucking that up. <laughs> did not return calls seeking comment. RJ Lee says uh it does not comment on the work it does for its clients. Well that's nice. Since two thousand three, talk and baby powder sold in the United States has come from China through its supplier Emery's Talk America. A unit of Paris based Emery's essay and a co defendant in the most of the talc litigation. Hmm. Emery's and JJ said the Chinese talk is safe. Well, there you go. Fuck it. Let's, let's go home. <laughs> and Emery's spokesman said the company's tests consistently show consistently show no asbestos. Talc safe use has been confirmed by multiple regulatory and scientific bodies. J&J, based in New Brunswick, New Jersey, has dominated the talc powder market for more than 100 years. I knew it was a long fucking time. <laughs> its sales outpacing those of all competitors combined according to euro monitor international data and while talc products contributed to just 420 million to J johnson and johnson's check this number out 76.5 billion in revenue last year <laughs> Baby powder is considered an essential facet of the healthcare products maker's carefully tended image as a caring company. Uh, quote, sacred cow, as one 2003 internal email put it. Well, fuck yeah. When you even think about baby powder, like mental image. Oh, it's a kind of rounded off white bottle with some blue and pink letters on the front, ain't it? <laughs> oh, shit. That's a Johnson & Johnson's bottle. <laughs> oh, wow. That's crazy. 
Reuters is on the fucking Johnson and Johnson case. So what do they think, huh? It's a fucking long article. Yeah, I'm not reading all this. <laughs> That's an ugly quote, quote unquote, the lungs of babies. Oof. <clears throat> What's this? In 1964, Johnson Johnson's Win- Windsor Minerals Inc. Uh, subsidiary bought a cluster of talc mines in Vermont with names like Argonaut, Rainbow, Frostbite, and Black Bear. Those are great names. By 1966, it was blasting and bulldozing white rock out of the Green Mountain State. Uh, Johnson Johnson used the milled powder in its cosmetics powders and sold a less refined grade to roofing, flooring, and tire companies for use in manufacturing. Yeah. Oof. Oh, shit. Ten years after that, Tremolite turned up in the Italian talk. So that that was 1957. So now in 1967, it should have been the Vermont talk, too. Nope. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Well, talk, my babies, is cheap. And we will get into one more Speed Gibson, and that should basically walk us into music and out. So, here we go. Speed Gibson, meaning zero. Gibson of the International Secret Police. Clint and Barney see an octopus plane at Nagchuka, they hurriedly land, thinking that at last they may have cornered their deadly enemy. No sooner do they climb out of their plane, however, when they are arrested by a Tibetan officer and, along with Dr. Kingsley, Little Jean, and Bob Gilmore, are placed in jail without any explanation. While they are trying to figure out the reason for this turn of events, the octopus plane takes off. At the same moment, the boys are informed that the chief of police will see them, and we find them in his office now. This is a fine mess. What's the idea of throwing us in jail and letting the octopus fly away? Before I answer any of your questions, you must answer mine. Who are you? Who am I? Who am I? Clint, tell him who we are. Well, I will, Bon, if you'll calm down long enough to let someone else talk. Now, Chief Tipo. Yes? This is Barney Dunlap. This, Speed Gibson, and I am Clint Barlow. All of the international secret police. There were more in your party. Three more, I believe. Yes, sir. Bob Gilmore and the doctor and his little girl. They're waiting for us now outside. Well, they are more or less the innocent parties, Chief Tipo. According to my information, not one of you is innocent. What information? It is from a very reliable source. From Paul Mounier, to be exact. Paul Mounier? A scientist who has come to Tibet to carry on certain experiments. 
And I assure you that I shall not allow secret agents from any country to interfere with these experiments or steal them so that their country can use them selfishly, perhaps for destruction. Clint, what's he talking about? Well, I don't know, Speed, but we'll soon find out. Chief Tipo, a terrible mistake has been made somewhere. We're not spies, enemy agents. We're the secret police and have come to Tibet to arrest the criminal known as the Octopus. The Octopus? You've heard of him? Of course but he is not in Tibet. That's what you think, Chief Tipo. We drove him out of Hong Kong after a long fight and followed him here. We know he's in Tibet because we saw his plane here at Nog Chuka when we landed. But now because you arrested us, we might lose his trail because he's escaped. Took off just a few minutes ago. Who is this boy? Our oh, speed is my nephew and the youngest member of the secret police. Do you know where this uh, Mounier is? I am still asking all questions, Barrow. Remember, you are my prisoner. Well, here are our identification papers, Chief. And if you want further proof of our identities, cable Hong Kong or, or Chief Riley in New York. Yeah, you speak strangely for spies. But Mounier said you were clever. Clint, this Mounier fellow must be the octopus. Must be. That's exactly what I've been thinking. No one else would go to the trouble of framing us so well. Framed us so well, we're ready to be hung, if you ask me. But while holding us here, Chief Tipo, you're allowing the most dangerous criminal in the world to establish himself somewhere in Tibet. You mean you accuse Mr. Mounier of being the octopus? Absolutely. What proof have you? Well, no visible proof. But on the other hand, what proof of you that we're spies? The word of a man I have known for quite a while. Paul Mounier has come to Tibet before this. He pays the Tibetan government well for the privacy in which to carry on his experiments. Ah, money, is it? Well, we'll give you plenty if you'll just let us go so as we can take out after that devilfish. Money has nothing to do with it, Dunlap. The Tibetan government respects the wishes of its citizens. You mean Mr. Mounier is a citizen of Tibet? Yes. He took out naturalization papers five years ago. Don't mean a thing. That octopus guy has citizenship papers in every country in the world. I tell you, Tipo, he's a bad egg, believe me. Well, if you don't believe our story, at least give us a chance to prove our innocence of the charges against us. Cable Chief Riley in New York and ask him about us. We'd better send a code word along, too, Clint, so the chief will know it's really us. Uh, yes, and tell Chief Riley that our password is Mademoiselle Fifi. Fifi? Yeah, that was his code name in the beginning of this mess. Riley was Fifi at a hat shop in New York. Will you cable New York, Chief Depot? Very well. I think you are merely playing for time, but I will give you the chance you ask for. Oh, swell. I know Chief Riley will clear us. If he does not speed Gibson, you know what happens to spies when they are caught. <laughs> Lasso below us, Kwan Wu. A strange and wonderful city, Master. Where are we going to land? Do you see that jagged mountain just ahead? Yes. There is a large house clinging to its side, overlooking Chak Purla, the pass of the Iron Dagger. That will be our headquarters. And the level plateau near the house, you cannot see it as yet, will be our landing field. An isolated spot, indeed. Isolated, yet easily reached by those who know its secret trails and underground passages, Kwan Wu. It is the perfect location for our purposes. But if the landing field is visible, will it not attract attention should anyone fly over it? Not many will fly near that mountain, Wu. And if strangers should land, they will find nothing suspicious. 
Scientist at work, that is all. Everything else will be hidden. Uh, you'd better fasten your safety belt while I land. Very well. That pass of the Iron Dragon looks forbidding indeed. Will there be anyone at the house to meet us? Not yet. I do not expect my local captain until tomorrow. We left Nagchuka rather sooner than I thought we would, but it is well. I want to go over the house thoroughly before the others come. You and I must have exits, plenty of places of safety that no one else should know about. We have made a safe landing. Yes, yes, it would have been more difficult had the wind been blowing. It whistles down the pass and creates treacherous down currents. The route that we took to this field is the only safe one. And when the wind is blowing, it is best not to attempt a landing at all. Ah, and now, to inspect our new headquarters. And that is the house? You do not like the looks of it? It is most desolate, Master. It looks haunted. Come, we shall go inside where it's warmer. This house has everything that we need. From food to bullets. I can turn this into a fort at a moment's notice. But how did all this come about? I have a clever agent here in Tibet. I knew that someday I would come here. This would be my last stand. Because I could go no higher. From this place, I shall dictate to the world. And here we are. Oh, this door has not been opened for some time. I told you the place was full of secret passages and underground exits and entrances. This door is only for uh, inquisitive strangers. <laughs> Master, why, this house is a palace. <laughs> Why should we not live in luxury, Wu? I'm tired of plain surroundings. Everything in this palace is rich, beautiful, excepting the arsenal and the laboratory where I shall carry on my experiments. Huh. <laughs> but uh, no one shall see these places save you and I. Ah, careful. Those cobwebs. Leave them alone for the time being. I have something in common with the spider. We both spin our webs and wait for the unsuspecting victim to become entangled. Then, we devour him. Are we to always have the spiders with us then? No. All this shall be cleared away when my agent comes tomorrow. He brings workers with him. It was more important to start our activities here than to sweep away spider webs, Quan Wu. I understand, Master. Now let us proceed to the laboratory. There I shall call Black Pass on the short wave set and also listen in to any conversations that may be coming from Nagchuka. <laughs> I am curious to know how my friends, the secret police, are enjoying the jail. <laughs> So that's the whole story of the octopus, Chief Tipo. Now you know why we're so anxious to capture him. Why, he's a menace to the whole world. Yeah, and we've chased him all the way from Alameda, California, Chief. 
even tried to stop us during the China Clipper flight. And what happened to us in Hong Kong because of that mug ain't fit to tell. And you say he kidnapped this young woman, Masha Winfield, and you believe her to be here in Tibet? Yes, and perhaps her brother, Lawrence. He is not in Lhasa. Everyone who goes there must first pass through Nechuka. She was brought here by Splinters, a renegade aviator. He wouldn't set down here, that's a cinch. But I've got a hunch Marsha somewhere near Lhasa if the octopus is around here. Why, the headquarters of the gang must be in or near Lhasa. Ah, a criminal den in the holy city. Never. Yes, but it might be nearer, Chief Tipo. The octopus is clever enough to seek such a place, knowing that close proximity to Lhasa will give him plenty of protection. I'll say so. Nobody'd think of looking for him there. Your story sounds very convincing, Mr. Barlow. But I must wait for the reply from Chief Riley in New York before I can free you. And then you'll believe that Paul Meunier is really the octopus? In all speed, I still think that Mr. Meunier was mistaken as to who you were. That is all. Now listen. If Chief Riley's cable proved that we've been telling the truth, that means we've got a good case of false arrest against the Nagchuka police force, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Well, yes. And the international secret police are a darn sight more powerful than you or any other country's police force. You know that too, but don't you? Explain. Chief Riley will be awful mad when he finds out that you stopped us. Why, Clint is his ace operator. I had no alternative. Mounier himself said you were spies. And after all... I have no proof yet that you are not. But if you get that proof, will you take a chance with us that Mounier and the octopus are one and the same man? Will you tell us where he's gone? Join forces with us and aid us in capturing him. Well, yes, I will. If that proof comes. Chief Tipo? Yes. A cablegram from America. It's from China. Oh, hey. Give it to me. Just a minute until I see what it says. Read it out loud, Chief. Chief Tipo, Nechuka Tibet. This will verify identities of Barlow, Dunlap, and Gibson. Tell them the lid is off. If we will back them to the limit, expect all Tibetan police and officials to do likewise. Chief Riley, International Secret Police.
Speed, Clint, Barney, and the others were arrested at Nagchuka, the main gateway to Lhasa, charged with being spies. The boys are on the trail of Paul Meunier, whom everyone thinks is a scientist who has brought his valuable inventions and experiments to Tibet. In reality, Meunier is the octopus. He has framed the secret police so that they will be unable to follow him to his new headquarters, but Clint clears his party of the alleged guilt by having the Tibetan police chief cable Chief Riley in New York. Riley's reply proves their innocence, and we now find the boys and Chief Tipo talking over the next move. I cannot tell you how perturbed I am over your past treatment, Mr. Barlow, but you must understand the word of such a noted man as Paul Mounier makes... Yes, of course, Chief Tipo. Let's forget the whole thing. But this Mounier, tell me more about him. As I have already said, he has come to Tibet often, but never to stay. This time, however, he plans staying here. Not if we can help it. We're going to take that guy back to the good old USA as our prisoner. I'll say so, Barney. You still insist that Mounier is the octopus? Yes. And don't forget that you promised to tell us his whereabouts and also aid in his capture if proof came that we were the secret police. Well, that proof has come. I know, Mr. Barlow, but you must appreciate my position, my responsibility. Should you be wrong about Mounier, my government would be placed in a most embarrassing position. Yes, I realize that. And for that reason, we must work in absolute secrecy. But work we must. Now, first, where is Mounier headed for? He has taken the house overlooking the pass of the Iron Dagger. It is a little to the north of Lhasa. Is it the only house there? Yes, Speed. My countrymen have no love for the past. It is wild and desolate. This house was built some years ago by an exiled prince. In fact, he went mad in it. And since that time, no one has lived in the house. No? It is well built, richly furnished. But the shepherds have brought down strange tales about it. They say it is haunted. Well, I feel sorry for any spook that's haunting that house now that the octopus has moved in. He'll de-ghost it soon enough. Is the place easy to reach, Chief Tipo? No. To my knowledge, there is only one route to the house. A narrow, winding trail that is slippery and treacherous. It's particularly when the hour of the wind is at hand. Wind? I've gotten more wind in my face since coming to Tibet than I have any other place in the world. Don't you get sick of it, Chief Tipo? We hardly notice it, Mr. Dunlap. Tibetans are accustomed to wind and snow. Yeah, I guess the beach at Waikiki would bore you to tears, but not me, boy. Oh, come back from Hawaii, Barney. We're still on the trail of the octopus. Don't I know it? My neck's still stiff from that avalanche he sent down on us at our last stop. Avalanche? Sure. The octopus uses avalanches and typhoons for calling cards. You'll help us, Kathleen, won't you, Chief Tipo? Give us the men and ammunition we need. I'll help the secret police any way I can, Speed. But we must work in secrecy until we are sure that Mounier and the octopus are the same man. Sure, we can do that all right. In fact, that'd be all the better. If the octopus knew we were coming, he'd have a chance to clear out again or hide what he was doing. The pass of the Iron Dagger is not very far from here, is it? No, it is at the head of the valley near Lhasa. Good. You send out the call for your best men, Chief Depot. And we shall advance on the pass as soon as possible. You ain't going to fly there, Clint. Oh, let the octopus know we're around. Uh, don't be foolish. Uh, just the same, I'd like that plane handy for a quick getaway. There won't be a getaway this time, Bonnie. What do you mean, Clint? We'll stay until we capture the octopus or he destroys us. But I've got a hunch that the pass of the Iron Dagger is going to be the end of the trail for him.
And Clint Barlow thought that he could end my activities. Instead, I stopped him. He will be forced to return empty-handed. He will be the laughing stock of the service. But there is the barest chance, Master, that he convinced Chief Kipaw that you really were the octopus instead of Paul Mounier. No chance of that, Kwan Wu. I know Chief Kipaw too well. And speaking of Mounier, how do I look now since applying this makeup? Would you recognize me? No. But what if Kipaw sees you? He will notice the change in your appearance? Kipaw will not see me. He remains safe in Nagchuka. There is little chance of his even coming to Lhasa, much less to my lonely house. True. But other government officials know you and remember you took out citizenship papers here in Tibet? Some years ago, yes. But the changes I have made in my face will not be noticed by those who have only seen me a few times. The gray hairs and glasses I have added, they might be the product of years, too. They indeed give you the appearance of a man of science. Quite. But now let me put away this makeup. I have other things to do. The workers will soon arrive with my Tibetan agent. How will they come? By the hidden ways, the underground passages. Do you know who I could bring an army into this house without anyone outside knowing about it? Excellent. We may need an army. We are well protected. My aviators are standing by at Black Pass. They can fly here on a moment's notice should the need arise. Do you intend bringing Marsha Winfield here? Not right away. First, I wish to get the slave route started between here and India, over the Himalayas. There is time enough for the girl. What are you going to do with her? I am not sure yet. With Barlow out of the way, there is no need for me to hold her as hostage. You are sure that he and the others no longer pursue us, Master? Yes, but do not worry. I shall make doubly sure before I destroy the girl and splinters along with her. I must silence both their tongues forever. Meanwhile, they wait in Lhasa under the eye of my Tibetan agent. Ah. The wind is starting again. Let it blow. Master, in spite of all your plans, in spite of our steaming safety, I have the feeling of disaster. I do not like this place. We should never have come here. Kwan Wu, I would advise you to keep such feelings to yourself. I... Uh, I have not told you everything about this house. <laughs> what do you mean? It was built by a madman. And has dungeons, torture rooms such as you have never seen. If you anger me too much... Master, you would not destroy your faithful servant. You can serve me only as long as you are fearless. When a man becomes a coward, he is useless to me, and I destroy useless things. But I do not deserve such a fate. You shall bring about your own fate by your future actions, Kwan Wu. I advise you to lose your cowardice instead of losing your courage. If you do not want to lose your life. Oh, here comes Speed now. Thank heaven, now we can get the whole story. What's up, Speed? They told us we were cleared of the spy charges, but wouldn't tell us anything more. Gee, I'm sorry, Bob. And you and Clinton Barney have been in the chief of police's office for so long. Wait about giving up hope of ever getting out of here. Don't worry about that, Gene. You'll get out of jail, all right. But you're going to stay in Nagchuka while we go up to a place called the Pass of the Iron Dagger. Pass of the Iron Dagger? But why, Speed? Because we think that's where the octopus is. The octopus? Then you've convinced Chief Tipo that the octopus is really in Tibet? Well, not quite. You see, he thinks the octopus is a scientist, Paul Mounier, 
But he's willing to help us in attacking his hideout. Where is it? A house overlooking this iron dagger pass. Worst of it is, though, we've got to do the whole thing in secret, because he won't get Tipo and bad if Munier isn't the octopus. I don't quite understand. The whole story is awful mixed up, Dr. Kingsley. But it'd take too long for me to tell you everything that's happened while we've been in there. We want to start to the octopus hangout as soon as Cheap Tipo gets his men together. Oh, Speed, please don't go to that pass of the Iron Dagger. I'm afraid. Nothing for you to be afraid of. You'll be safe here, Nogchuka. Oh, it isn't me I'm afraid for, but you. Golly, I wouldn't miss this for anything, Gene. We've tracked the octopus halfway across the world, and now we've just about got him. It's going to be great. I'll say so. Just let me get to that octopus, and I'll make him take tell me where Marsha and Larry Winfield are if I have to choke it out of him. Well, I... I don't think you're going with us on this trip, Bob. What? No. Clint thought you ought to be here in case anything goes wrong. In case anything goes wrong? Well, then I should be with you. Where's Clint? Just let me talk here to him. Here he comes now with Barney. Oh, hello there, Bob. What's all the excitement about? Well, Speed just told me I wasn't going with you on the octopus raid. Well, that's right. You'll be more valuable here. I must have someone that I can depend on to keep me in touch with what's going on here. And then, too, you can keep an eye on Dr. Kingsley and Jean. Well, I'm afraid we're causing you a great deal of trouble, Glenn. No, not at all, Doctor. But we all need a little more patience. Now, once the octopus is captured, well, then we can relax. And I'll see Marsha again. You bet you will, honey. Well, Clint, when do we start disguising ourselves as yaks or yaws, as you want to call it? What are you talking about, Barney? <laughs> uh, because we must work in secrecy, Bob, we're disguising ourselves as Tibetan shepherds. Tipo's men won't have to change their appearance since they are native Tibetans. Yeah, all they have to do is put on shepherd clothes. But we've got to make up to look like Tibetans. Well, do you think such a disguise will avert suspicion, Clint? Uh, yes, I do, Doctor. Should any of us be discovered before I give the signal for attack, we can say that we're looking for some lost animals. It'll be logical enough. It's sure going to be exciting. It'll be night by the time we reach the pass and the wind has come up. It'll be just like something you read in books. Well, believe me, kid, I wish I was reading all this in a book. Octopus hunting on Iron Dagger Pass on a windy night ain't my idea of a pleasant evening. Oh, don't talk so much, Barney. We barely have time to get our makeup on. Cheap Tipo is getting his men ready fast. Well, go ahead. Make me up. I ain't stopping you. But I'd a lot rather go on a raid for once with my eyes wide open instead of being taped up to look Chinese or Tibetan. I want to see where I'm going. <laughs> Maybe you had the right idea first. I'll make you up as a yeah. As long as we have to drive you, might as well make it look realistic. Hey, you'll be wanting me to bleat next or moo. What does a yak do? Search me, Barney. The ones you've seen so far haven't made any noise. <laughs> Barney gave him too much competition. <laughs> uh, everyone seems mighty gay, considering that we're about to go after the number one criminal of the world. Why not, Barney? Isn't Clint the number one secret policeman of the world? I wonder what will happen when you really stand face to face. I'd like to see that meeting. Yeah, I hope we'll be able to, Doc. Exactly. And that's why we might as well laugh now. Because something tells me the meeting at the Pass of the Iron Dagger will be no laughing matter.
tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Asiento, take a seat at Asiento on 21st and Bryant. Meet friends for a drink, have delicious tapas, and a relaxed community atmosphere. Asiento, honestly, is a wonderful place. They have incredible bartenders and board games all over the walls. Trivia on Mondays, Taco Tuesdays, First Wednesday, live jazz, live DJs Thursday, parties. The food is darn good special happy hour prices all night long with your mutiny radio comedy festival ticket march 1st through 5th check out the schedule at www.asientosf.com come take a seat i had a date there and it did not go well but it wasn't the fault of the place they're very nice asiento For a burger, Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Everybody should listen to Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things. Subliminal SF Visual and Auditory Mind Control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminalsf.myshopify.com. And experience Subliminal SF.
Welcome. Bender's Bar and Grill, located at 806 South Van Ness in the Mission District of San Francisco. Your favorite bar with awesome bartenders, rotating local art, and a killer back patio. It's a great place to hang out and play one of their two pool tables or old school pinball machine with a tasty adult beverage. Live music every Saturday for only $5. Bender's brings you face-melting metal and rock and roll. The last Friday of the month, Punk Rock and Schlock delivers super fun karaoke with Aileen. Come on, what's not to like? They even have counter-offer inside, frying up the tots with sexy hot burgers for your face. Open every day at 2 p.m. Their happy hour goes till 7 p.m. Bender's is proud to be a sponsor of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival because they're an awesome community asset to the dirtbags who keep art alive in the mission. Bender's Bar and Grill. Hi, welcome to My Limited View. I am your host, Sergio Novoa. And I'm your co-host, Vanessa Wilkins. Join us every Tuesday from 12 to 2 at mutinyradio.fm as we share stories, our personal stories. And struggles and challenges. And we'll also have guests come in and share their stories. And hopefully through all this, we can expand our view. Or your view. Yes, and there'll be plenty of dick jokes, so don't worry. It's not always going to be heavy. Yeah, I might even share black hair tips. Black hair tips, don't know anything about it, sorry. (laughs) All on my limited view. Yes, every Tuesday from 12 to 2. Uh, Oh, you can can also find us on Apple Podcasts. Oh, yeah, and Google Play. And Stitcher. iTunes, oh, you already said that. TuneIn Radio. Uh, Stitcher, you said that. Spotify. Oh, my God, there's just so many. And Overcast. Um, yes, you can also find us on social media, M as in Mary, L as in Larry, P as in Peter, podcast, MOV podcast is our handle. Until next time, I hope you're enjoying your review. Yes. Bye. Bye. That kind of sucked balls. Hi, you're listening to the pre-show recording pre-show this is where we warm up for let's watch a full-length movie on youtube if you're listening to this the feed fucked up and we had to put the backup copy on (laughs) things happen we can fuck up sure yeah it's part of human nature it's part of mutiny radio Uh, looking forward to it. So I'm going to do some research next week and uh, final yeah. movies are being released on Christmas Day this year and see if there's a movie that I hadn't covered in the last three years and then I'll create a playlist and we'll just watch it together. Now, what day is this? Is it the 29th? Cause... No, no, it's before no. now. Okay, uh, get ready, uh, okay. my friend. Uh, 23rd. All right, hang on a sec. I'm going to tell you when and then you'll go, all right? Uh, okay. Uh now ladies and gentlemen welcome once again to lwafl moyt la episode 132 on december 16 let's watch a full-length movie on youtube with mike spiegelman today we are watching a current film uh from 1935 it is the nightlife of the gods 1935. Where's that scene? Hi, this is Carl. Uh, uh, Mike's friend. I wrote this song. Uh, 
Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> 